0: You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. Nothing's going your way. You've had a bad day. It's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath. From Fade to Gray, it's mental. Welcome to another episode of Mental. Michelle and I are here to have a fun conversation, hopefully vulnerable (laughs) and real, on taming your internal critic. How are you doing today, Michelle?
1: Uh, Well, my inner critic is kind of screaming at me, at least for the last hour or so. so
0: (laughs) I couldn't tell. I know. It's It's been screaming at you. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: It's just been one of those days. Nothing's going the way I want it to. And so I'm sitting here beating the hell out of myself because why didn't you plan better? Why didn't you do this better? Why didn't you do that better? And hoping everything works. So (laughs) the way it's supposed to.
0: Well, nothing ever goes as well as we expect it to or as Mm -hmm. planned. Probably. You you strike me as someone that does stay pretty on top of your game.
1: Uh, I'm a good faker. (laughs)
0: A bodybuilder. How that's not faking. That's the definition of like uh, grit.
1: Well, we're not talking about bodybuilding, though. We're talking about mental health issues. <laughs> sure. That's different.
0: See how I like to just tie those two things together. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. Totally different. <laughs> well, let's talk about inner critic. Because okay. I am notoriously bad at self-talk, and I have used at times the ex. Explanation of me having a traumatic brain injury as ah. like the reason that i can't do like meditation or cognitive behavioral therapy hmm. yeah, that's bullshit it's not real like, like <laughs> really i probably could benefit from those things yeah i often say that i i'm not And well,
1: well hold that. on hold on go back what's not real the fact that you can't use those or the traumatic brain injury
0: the fact that Cognitive behavioral therapy or uh, meditation or contemplative practices could have an actual beneficial outcome in my life. But I I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. I don't worry. I'm not not there today. (laughs) But I will often, you know, try to use that as an excuse to not actually do real work and actually Mm. focus or make changes or challenge that internal critic. So I think today really we should talk about how the hell do we challenge it. But let's first, (laughs) let's first talk about what it is.
1: Well, actually, let's go back for a minute, kind of introduce what we're talking about to begin with and kind of recap a little bit. And then we can tackle this inner critic.
0: Everyone, I always try to jump right in on a topic and Michelle (laughs) stops me every single interview.
1: I'm a pain in the
0: ass. For the month of July, Michelle and I are doing an entire series on imposter syndrome. Right. And you had a great definition for it last time.
1: Oh. I don't remember what I said.
0: I don't even uh, I don't remember either, but we used it as an ad. It was excellent. We did.
1: Well, basically, imposter syndrome is its an internal process that's happening, and it, it's basically negative self-talk that tells you you're a fraud at whatever it is you're trying to do or accomplish, regardless of whatever uh, accreditation you may have in that field, regardless of whatever accolades or awards that you may have, or degrees, or any number of certifications. Somewhere in the back of your mind, you're waiting for somebody to tell you that you're a fraud or an imposter. It's, it's pretty prevalent. A lot of people may not even know there's a name for it, but they know the feeling. Mm -hmm. But I think we do need to mention it is not diagnosable via the DSM-5, but it is a well-known syndrome. Studies have been done on it. And yeah, I think a lot of people really struggle with it. I have. I didn't realize that's what it was until I came across the term. But once I did, I was like, wow, that is me. Mm -hmm. And I think you had the the same experience, correct?
0: I didn't have a definition for it. Right. I always just considered it like me feeling like I was not good enough. And I had 1,500 reasons to explain to you why I was not. Um, But I never had a term that kind of encapsulated all of those different reasons. Right. And so, yeah, in hearing about imposter syndrome, it took me back because, I mean, clearly I know all of these things, but seeing it laid out – in the way that imposter syndrome does, and especially in its definition of this mit- this mismatch between who I actually am and who I think I am. Right. Yeah, it really it painted a picture that I hadn't seen before, personally.
1: Yeah. And it, it's weird because you find yourself mired down in these thoughts and they don't I almost cringe to say this, they really don't have a basis in reality because the majority of the time, whatever it is you're discussing, Whatever it is that you're teaching on or whatever, you do have some background or some credentialing behind it. And for whatever reason, there's this rational fear in your mind that you're not good enough at it, that you don't know enough, or that people are going to find out that you've made it all up or something, You know, or at least that's my experience. And so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty rare that you'll find anybody raising their hand and going, oh, I think I suffer from imposter syndrome. Most people, it's, upon hearing it, go, oh, that's what that is you know, and, and finally like realize, aha moment. yes, yeah, exactly. And it's, it can be kind of devastating and it really can be very impactful in a negative way on your life. So it's, it's been something that we've been talking about. If you're interested in knowing the beginning of the discussion, you should go listen to the podcast. There's been two weeks previous to this one in which we've introduced the subject and we've done some, some work on defining it, where it comes from and the different areas that it shows up in but today we were gonna talk about taming that inner critic. So now we can start.
0: Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna, I might edit that out of the final version because it's a little embarrassing, but I always just jump right in. <laughs> like, I don't, That's cool. I, I don't need all the parameters, but I think it's really, <laughs> it's good to orient our audience.
1: Yeah, and ourselves.
0: Yes. So in talking about imposter syndrome, um, we have mm-hmm. in previous episodes, We have defined what it is. We had an extended mental minute in which we um, (laughs) legitimately were like, okay, this is who we are. (laughs) Wake up time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And now we're going to talk about this internal dialogue. So when we look at internal critic, it's almost like a sub personality within us, Mm Yeah. that is constantly right. judging or demeaning who we are as a person. When I think about right. when well, we're talking internal keyword here, critic, right? That critic, the per- that guy on your shoulder, who's always like putting yourself down, at least that's how it's, appe- it's presented in my own life the most frequently. Right. But how does internal critic play out in your life?
1: Well, actually I had a different name for it. And again, this was before I, I was made aware of, of this actual problem or syndrome. It was while I was trying to write my book and I was really struggling with the negativity that was associated with what I thought about what I was writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I really was a mental mess, if you will, with regard to that. And I was explaining it to somebody and I even, somebody even suggested to me, this was something I should write about. I called it my internal editor. And for those of you that are offended by profane language, cover your ears. Um, My excuse, my thought process on my internal editor was she was a complete bitch. Like she was so hard to deal with. I could never win an argument with her. I could never meet up to the standards that she held for me. And it was as though she were some kind of a, a third person that I was trying to appease rather than my own thoughts, my own subconscious or, you know, even the, the devil on my shoulder, if you will, that's mm-hmm. how it came across. Yeah. And so, very difficult, very demoralizing. And especially when you're trying to do content creation of some kind, to have that constant negative stream in your mind is very distracting, first and foremost, but it's also, again, very demoralizing to the point where, as we talked about last week, we talked about uh, the different P's of imposter syndrome, one of them being paralyzing. And Paralysis. you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to continue on because you're terribly afraid that that inner critic is right and that everyone is going to agree with them.
0: One of my biggest fears has always been that people will f- find out the truth. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that if I let people get too close to me, if I open up in some way, like if they start to see my true colors, it's going to confirm that the person that I think of myself, which is that internal critic. It's that I'm not good enough. It's that I have this fault and that fault. I like how you mentioned paralysis because personally for me, I tend to shut down. My internal critic is often way louder than the other areas of my life to the point that it will immobilize me over small, small issues. Right. Right. Like, this last week, I I have to send out, like, a daily status report to management every single day. And I left the date from the previous day and the title <laughs> of the email. Oh, no. Okay? <laughs> I, so, two emails have been sent out that say the 15th, but one's the 15th and one's the 16th. Oh. And I am having, like, this mental, like, <laughs> breakdown. I Everything, the, the world is crumbling. Um, <laughs> my boss, what is she thinking? How dare she's going to... I'm going to get an email. There's going to be right. an email coming in my inbox. Seth, how dare you put the wrong date in this email? Like, it's <laughs> not a big deal. No. It's not a big deal at all. Only I to will, you. It, it, it's More than con- likely. It's confirming that I'm impulsive and that I am <laughs> moving too quickly and that I haven't, you know and it, it will literally crumble me and i will just right. stop and i can't do anything for like 24 hours right um yeah. my appetite can go like my motivation <laughs> is gone i get tired um i yeah. isolate so looking at the impact of of this critic in our lives mm-hmm. it doesn't just affect how we think about ourselves no it, how we think about ourselves impacts everything we do.
1: Well, I think we have to differentiate here as well. I mean, because some of what you're saying could be attributed to, you know, a negative self image, right? Um, which a lot of people struggle with and not necessarily an imposter syndrome because typically imposter syndrome tends to center more around, you know, those your things success. that you are supposed to be doing well in and being found out a fraud in that situation. So in your case, yes, of course, with work, you want to look as though you are a well you know, studied a well-trained person in your work and forgetting something like that, of course, can cause that almost an existential crisis, although it's just a date. And so for me, I hear that and I go, it's just a date. Right. But to you, that's a whole different thing because it pertains to your knowledge about a subject matter
0: feel like every time anyone says mentions their competency generally as someone who doesn't actually have competency and they're using it yeah anyways but, right. but that's <laughs> something that it may like we're talking about a date it's not a big deal but it makes me feel like I am incompetent in some way and right. all of this work that I have strived so hard I mean look at me I've got my I've got diplomas hanging <laughs> up behind me I have strategically
1: I've, placed I know
0: right <laughs> Please know I am on Zoom every day, all day. I'm a corporate trainer. That's all I do.
1: So, so they the, need to know you know what you're talking about. <laughs> correct.
0: This is more about work than it is right. podcasting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I I've, I have all of these things, but then uh, something small can happen. Something small can trigger and it just all starts to fall apart.
1: Right, right. And I think I think that's pretty normal. For people that struggle with self-image issues as well, like I said, but in this case, struggling with something that is affecting your reputation as a trainer for work is something that would be devastating to you, yes. um, and would bring up that fear of somebody going, "See, you don't know what you're talking about, or you don't know what you're doing." And you know, it's funny. The one of the books that we've been looking at with regard to the subject matter, and I think I've told you this before, uh, my husband has a term that he uses, and again. Plug your ears if you got a problem with profanity. He calls it not K here. fuck radio, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, you know, he says K fuck radio is always playing in your mind, mm-hmm. and it's and it's never positive. It's always negative, and it is constantly telling you that you're not good enough, that you have failed in some way. And we tend to be so hard on ourselves anyway. Well, a lot of people are, not everybody. I think it's certain personality types tend to be tougher on themselves than others. And I think we talked about that before, that type Mm -hmm. A personality, that driven personality is often a victim of imposter syndrome because they, yeah, because they so badly want people to to think that they know what they're talking about. (laughs) And because they are so driven for the accolades and the degrees and the certifications and everything that they lose themselves somewhere in there and forget that they're just a person and that it's okay to not be perfect. And of course, perfectionism was another one that we talked about last week. But that you know, but that radio station is always playing in our mind, that inner critic or that internal editor or whatever we wanna call it, whatever terminology, it's the same thing. It's the same negative voice that's speaking. And it's very unfortunate because as we said before, I think it limits us in a lot of what we try and accomplish or do or what we could accomplish and do if we weren't so very diff- hard on ourselves about things. Right. So. The world's
0: already hard enough. Oh, for sure. <laughs> especially right now. Yes. <laughs> the world is already making it difficult. Yes. Uh, we really should be showing ourselves grace and mercy in a lot of our interactions and the things we do. But so frequently I have found, especially as a A-type personality <laughs> and being very emotional-driven, that that can be very difficult. Yeah. And so a lot of times when my internal critic shows up the areas where it most frequently attacks is those areas where I feel insecure, where I have of some course. type of weakness. There's something that is, I feel doesn't meet and it frequently shows up uh, in, in areas of, of work and, right. and relationships. Work and relationships, mm-hmm. my internal critic just goes to town.
1: Well, for sure in work and academic pursuits and things like that, but relationships is a different animal almost because we are so busy trying to put our best foot forward, especially in a new relationship or something like that. So we want to present our best attributes and yet we're so afraid that those attributes are not going to be seen as positives or they're not going to be good enough, you know, to make an impact on this relationship in a positive way. And so it's it's a mess in here. <laughs> I don't know about you, but for me, it's a mess in here often. And I I find myself constantly arguing with myself, trying to find that middle ground that is somewhat realistic.
0: (laughs) And talking about the thoughts, do you ever find them hostile?
1: Oh, they're always hostile. (laughs) Have we met? I'm hostile often.
0: (laughs) Define hostile. Let's let's break that down. Because I think it's a good adjective, but… Well, I
1: told you my inner, my inner edit, my internal editor is a bitch. (laughs) That's her default. (laughs) Fair. So yes. Hostile. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily just negative, but negative to the nth degree, like angry about it often.
0: (laughs) It doesn't like to be told. No. Is exactly (laughs) is my experience. So if we're trying to talk to ourselves. So if we have this internal dialogue, it's happening, we it's putting us down, and we are trying essentially to fight against ourselves. Right. Right. Let's talk about some practical things around that.
1: Huh. I hope there's some like, practical.
0: Isn't is, is, is just listen, Michelle, stop feeling bad for yourself. Stop talking bad about yourself. Those are two different things, but stop putting yourself down. Stop right. doing this. Just cheer up. You have all the accolades. Just get over it. You have all the success. <laughs> Tell yourself to shut up and move on. Is, is if that, only
1: it was that simple.
0: Right? If, if only, only it were that simple.
1: I've it's just so not. Hard. Right. I know.
0: So let's start talking about what are some practical, on-the-ground mm-hmm. things we can do to challenge this anti-support uh, anti <laughs> of ourselves. How can we do that?
1: Well, you know, for a while, uh, of course, um, I tried therapy. Therapy, mm-hmm. based on my deconstruction, my religious deconstruction, I, I thought I needed some help with that. And so I tried therapy. That was not effective for me. Not it wasn't structured enough because <laughs> I'm incredibly structured. So I tried life coaching and I found a lot of I found a lot of benefit to that and a lot of help with that. But in all honesty, some of the stuff that my life coach asked me to do, I thought was ridiculous, and I really Light. chafed at it. Um, affirmations, which is what I was going to bring up, affirmations are actually very very helpful. But for a while, when you're doing, you think this is the stupidest thing I have ever tried to do in my life. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I would, I, I actually, I'm, I'm guilty of being paralyzed in a situation right now. My bodybuilding coach actually gets on me all the time about how are you doing with the mirror? Because she knows I struggle there. And so we've talked about that. And she asked me for some affirmations and I am having a hell of a time trying to put affirmations together around this whole subject matter around how I'm doing with it. And I'm supposed to be doing that. But affirmations have been very beneficial to me in the past. But I had to get past that point of thinking this is silly; it's not going to help. I just feel stupid, you know. Because my life coach used to make me not only write the affirmations, but I had to say them to the camera and send him a video every day, which I found I don't I don't like things like that.
0: I'm out. (laughs) Okay. Well, not doing it
1: <laughs> but it was beneficial and once I reached I got past that tipping point of being concerned about how silly I felt about doing them then of course I struggled with the truth of the statement and the statements were true and yet I couldn't get past that idea of this isn't this is false information mm-hmm. I'm just trying to you know, brainwash myself into believing it, but they were true statements. So after a while that actually did begin to work. It actually did. And and so when you believe something, so in this case, one of my affirmations at that time was you are a writer. So write because I was struggling to write my book and I felt so silly saying that, but what ended up happening was my habits began to match what I believed about myself. So the more that affirmation began to be planted in my mind and become more real to me, my actions began to bear that out. It wasn't like, well, I'll give you another example. I'm kind of all over the place here. I apologize. Good. I, had a, I, I read a story one time of a man who needed to quit smoking and he, he tried all the programs. He tried the patches. He tried everything and it wasn't working. And so somebody told him, you need to write an affirmation that I am a non-smoker. And he's like, it's ridiculous. I feel stupid doing it. It's not true. I'm still sitting here smoking while I'm saying it, but he did it anyway. What he found is after a period of time, even saying it while he was smoking, after a period of time, he would start to light up and he would think, I don't really want to do this. And he would stop. And before long, he had quit smoking. Not because he was, had great willpower, not because he was you know, doing any of these other exercises or hypnotism or anything like that, but it's because he began to talk to his identity. He began to say to himself, this is who you are. And in so doing, his actions began to bear that out. And so it's the same thing. So that is one of the things we can do around imposter syndrome. I just find it really, really difficult personally.
0: I do too, obviously. (laughs) I think affirmations can be very helpful. It's one of the things I used to encourage on the phone (laughs) when I was talking to people. It's one of those things I would always (laughs) tell people to do but would never actually do myself. But in order to talk about affirmations – I first want to talk about this need to be aware of your emotions and to be aware of the situation because you just don't want to write affirmations about just anything. Right? (laughs) We first need (laughs) need to identify where our areas of weakness are first. Right. So really looking at, hey, when does my internal critic show up the most frequently? And that's a good point. Start paying attention to that. So on a given day, when that internal critic starts rearing its ugly head, and as Michelle said, is being a bitch, right? And it's like totally (laughs) going at you. What's happening right there? What just happened right before that kicked in? What what are those circumstances? What are those situations? Because if you can start looking at that, you might be able to start planning and strategically writing affirmations to attack it.
1: Of course, yeah. Always evaluating our emotions is going to be helpful. You know, we tend to to have this idea that emotions are bad all the time or that we have to control them all the time, but they are informational. They are a, a key to understanding ourselves better. And, and so you're right. Evaluating what's happening around me when I begin to feel that way or that internal critic begins to speak is very helpful. It doesn't mean I'm not feeling the emotion. It means I'm stepping outside of it and observing it
0: mm. as it's happening. Yes. And,
1: and that has become very, very helpful. And I do that in a lot of situations now. I can tell you that if I begin to hear that inner voice, if I'm in the gym and I begin to hear that inner voice, almost without fail, I have looked at somebody else and compared myself to them, which is always a net zero gain. <laughs> Never is going to be a positive thing. Ever. And so I've come to realize I can't do that. I'm only in competition with myself and who I was yesterday. That's easier said than done, Mm -hmm. especially as I'm getting ready for a competition (laughs) where I will be judged against other people. But the idea being that we can evaluate whatever emotion is present in that moment that started that inner critic and say, okay, what set you off there? And almost have a conversation with that emotion as though it were an outside person or a third party. Yes. So that we can understand it, give a voice to it, allow it, because we have to understand and evaluate our, our own emotion and we have to give it its voice mm-hmm. or it's going to persist. So when we treat it almost as a separate voice and say, okay, what caused this? What are you feeling? And I went through all of this with a, my life coach as well, but honestly, I thought it was the silliest thing I'd ever heard. And now I go, this is, that's brilliant.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it really is brilliant in my opinion anyway. I don't know what that stands
0: for. <laughs> you were you mentioned a few minutes ago about like stepping out of the situation, um, right. like being able to look at it up above. And what I think in, in talking about this, notice when that internal critic shows up and then s- see how you're feeling in that moment and like step out and look at yourself right. and then respond to that person, not as you, but how, if that was your friend, if that was yeah. someone you loved, your spouse, <laughs> your partner, your best friend, how would you respond? Right. Because on average, we will typically believe that people we like and are close to are genuinely good people. Right. But we don't believe that about ourselves. So. Yeah. So challenge that. Try to treat yourself like you would treat someone else because more than likely it's better than what you're currently doing.
1: I've been confronted with that thought before. And I think my husband is the one that has pointed out to me. He said, what would you say if you heard somebody saying the things that you think about yourself? What would you say if you heard somebody saying that to somebody else that you cared about? And I, I got very offended. I said, I'd probably want to smack the hell out of him. And he goes, yeah, but you have no problem saying that stuff to yourself. And, you know, we kind of poo-poo that. We're like, oh, but it's just me. It's just my internal dialogue going on, you know. But those words are incredibly damaging yes. to us. And I think I've mentioned this in our conversations before, but we have a tendency to trust our own voice subconsciously. So, when we are saying those things, especially if they're out loud, saying those things about ourselves, we're prone to actually believe that to really be authentic and true. And so it is incredibly damaging. But I would never allow some, say, if somebody said something like that to one of my kids, they'd be on their ass. I guarantee it. <laughs> that, that's not even a thought, you know, but I don't treat myself with the same kind of respect.
0: Even when you challenged it, My immediate comeback always has been, well, yeah, you don't really know the real me.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just a much better person at hiding who I am than you think.
0: (laughs) You just don't know what happens behind closed doors. Of course you think that. But if you knew, if you knew the real me, you wouldn't say that. Mm. And, uh, you know, we've got to challenge that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, and to be honest, to to push back a little bit at, at that idea, and I'm totally familiar with that idea because I've used those exact same words, that's almost very egotistical if you think about it. Like, oh, I'm just so much better at hiding myself than anybody ever thought that there's no way you'd know. that. Talk about thinking more highly of yourself than you should. <laughs> um, you know, so we have to be careful of things like that. We we give ourselves so much crap and then we justify it far too often when we're called on it. So mm-hmm. if I hear you say something negative and I say, Seth, like that's not true. You shouldn't think things like that. That's your immediate, I almost know without a doubt, that's your immediate response of, well, that's always going to be the first word, well, which is kind of uh, that that needs to be a word we get rid of because that always leads into that justification as to why we should be able to say something negative about ourselves because oh it must be true well <laughs> next time i hear you say well i'm gonna throw something
0: at you <laughs> right and then also so in it i think that's all good um and that we really need to watch i mean really the words we use have so much power yeah. More, m- way more power yeah. than i think any of us really give it credence and something i want to also challenge is examine the evidence just examine the evidence pretend that you are a detective and <laughs> you have to determine the truth yeah lay the facts because i think you'll be surprised
1: well, but you know, we've had this conversation towards the beginning of this series in t- talking about imposter syndrome, that even evaluating the facts, I mean, the fact is I have multiple degrees. That doesn't change the fact that I think often I still don't know what I'm talking about. True. Um, so even, even looking at the facts often with this kind of um, subconscious syndrome going on, we still will negate our accomplishments. You know and we talked about this last week when we were talking about perfectionism if if I manage to meet the standard that I've set for myself then I will attribute it to luck or I will attribute it to some out something outside of myself because it couldn't be that I was just good enough mm-hmm. you know it always has to be that I slipped by somehow I duped the system somehow <laughs> and you know I just got away with it so it's I don't know I, I know we've said this multiple times in, in discussing this but this is something that is Oh, so negative and oh so difficult to identify and to deal with. To change. So taming an inner critic, I I mean it sounds good in theory. I'm just not positive that I'm great at doing it, you know? So well,
0: okay. So let's be honest. Acknowledgement is the first step. We cannot sure. change or heal what we do acknowledge. So yes, you're owning that you're not good. At taming your internal critic, <laughs> well, neither am I, right. and we both host a podcast on mental health, and we're talking <laughs> about taming your internal critic. The irony is strong, but let's focus on improvement, right? Okay. This is not something that you are just going to have click tomorrow. The internal no. critic is gone. That is not if only. <laughs> that's not reality. No, it's so. Not let's focus on the small things so rather than playing this into this if you're anything like me black and white thinking that hey i might as well just give up i'm never going to win i'm a piece of shit i my mind knows <laughs> it sit. my mind knows it and i and it's guaranteed to be true rather than jumping right there let's right. start looking at what can i do today that will make things a little bit better what are some mm. things today that i can do to really fight back and i think number 1 as we've already mentioned is acknowledgement
1: oh for sure and
0: yeah. it's it's starting to pay attention
1: well i think it goes back to another word that you know some people have a hard time with but that mindfulness that mm-hmm. living in the moment, not future tripping, not, you know, dealing with the past, but sitting in the moment and evaluating where you are and realizing that for the moment I'm okay. You know, even, even if this inner critic voice is, is whispering my, in my ear, I can just sit, take a deep breath and go, I'm okay for right now. That may last a minute, but I'm okay for right now. Um, so, yeah, being mindful of our, of our surroundings and ourselves is beneficial to me anyway.
0: Yeah. And one more, I'm sorry I was throwing out throwing out ideas here left and right. Okay. But I really also want to talk about letting someone else in. Oh, yeah. You don't don't do this alone. Yeah. Utilize your support system and let other people check you when When you start to, when your internal critic starts to take control. Right. And if your friends notice, listen, pay attention. They listen to you far more than you listen to yourself probably.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's beneficial to have those people that you trust in your life that when you are doubting yourself or you are, you know, hearing that inner critic, asking their opinion and knowing that you can trust that they're going to tell you the truth because maybe they're going to say you know what you're exactly right I, yeah i think you are falling short here but more often than not what they're going to say is i don't see that i think that you have an inner you know an inner negativity going on but here's what i see and because you've said this is somebody i trust then that's somebody you should be listening to and and saying okay they're going to tell me what they actually see not what i want to hear but what they actually see mm-hmm. So I mean I had that's why I have a coach because if I were to to wait to compete until I thought I looked good enough, it would never happen. But I trust her and her opinion. So when she says, here's what I see, here's what we're gonna work on, I can go, okay, I'm just gonna take her out of her word. Mm-hmm. And and that helps.
0: So, yeah. Having having someone do it walk alongside with you right, right. is huge. Yeah. Um and I'm just saying we can be very, very mean to ourselves. Oh yeah, (laughs) of course. (laughs) I like how I'm the one talking about this when, in fact, I think most of the people that know me will say that I'm extremely hard on myself. My mother told me that today. I've now mentioned her on two different podcasts. That's (laughs) not a good sign at age 30.
1: (laughs) But oh, um, just oh, it's a nice thing.
0: Yeah, it is. But it uh, what I'm. The point I'm I'm illustrating here is that a lot of people have told me that I'm hard on myself to the point to where most sometimes I don't even realize I'm doing it. It's so, it's always there. I don't even recognize it or notice it. So I think having that support is huge.
1: Well, it is. And then something else occurs to me, the idea that we have to remember all criticism is born of pain somewhere whether it's ours or somebody else's, if we're receiving criticism outside or we're self-critical, it's born of pain somewhere. So that goes back to that, again, trying to evaluate where you are and what's Mm -hmm. happening. What has caused this negative inner voice to begin speaking? You know, is there merit? I I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to decide if there's merit to that negative voice. I don't think that we should just assume, oh, it's my negative inner critic. I'm not going to listen. Well, sometimes maybe we should. I just think we'd listen far too often. So if, if I'm self-critical, all of a sudden I need to stop and evaluate, is there some pain here that I'm evaluating or struggling with in order to, you know, or that, that is becoming this criticism? I'm not saying that well, but, <laughs> but the idea that it's coming from somewhere. So where is the hidden hurt? Where is the hidden agenda or trigger to what I'm feeling and hearing? And again, that just that self-reflection, I think, is so very helpful in negating the effect of, of that inner critic or that imposter syndrome response.
0: hmm. In being self-reflective,
1: mm-hmm.
0: are there any specific practices you found helpful?
1: Well, you mentioned at the beginning, of course, meditation. Yeah. Um, the thing <laughs> that will
0: not work for me, yes. Um, I'm that.
1: honestly not very great at meditation either. I get distracted far too easily, and what usually happens is my task list starts running through my mind of all the things that I should be doing while I'm sitting here.
0: <laughs> that's
1: what happens <laughs> when <to> I, meditate.:
0: <laughs> That's what happens when I try to pray.:
1: Me too. Yeah, my I've always grocery had a trouble list like
0: that. get done.:
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I started doing some guided meditation, which is a little bit more helpful. Because it's not just you sitting in silence, but it's somebody guiding you through a process. Even you know, deeper breathing, or maybe they're they're describing some kind of um, you know journey through a wooded forest or something that is keeping your mind somewhat active. But one thing that I did love is the guided meditation that I that I tried to do. I had an app for it on my phone, and I would sit down every day, you know, for ten minutes. And okay, you can do this for ten minutes. But they were very quick to say there is no judgment here. So if you do find your mind wandering, it's not a judgment. It, there's no anger involved with that. There shouldn't be self-recrimination involved with that. It should just be gently guide your mind back to what you're trying to do. and you do get better with that as you as you practice it. It is like anything else. The more you practice, the better you get. But I, I do like the, I, I like the idea of meditation. I'm just not great at the practical side of it. And yeah, same thing with prayer, which I kind of feel like they're almost the same thing.
0: They kind of are. Yeah. And it's another reason why I haven't been huge into it. It's because I,
1: <laughs> I... You have Christian problems with, with well, meditation.
0: <laughs> I try to meditate and then I end up praying and then I start praying and then I end up crying. And then before Aww. I know it, I'm doing something else entirely. So Aww. it just never really works. No, um,
1: I, I Every time I think about meditation... <laughs> I think of this old quote from the Three Stooges, which I never really cared for them. But honestly, this one comes back all the time where one of them says, I try to think, but nothing happens. (laughs) And I find that that's how it feels to me so much of the time. I'm trying to think and nothing's happening. Um, Instead, yeah, I'm often, I used to get so angry with myself during times when I was supposed to be praying. I I would, that self-recrimination would come out like, oh great, you can't even spend, you can't give God 10 minutes. You can't, you know, and and that would be all this judgment associated with it. When in reality, your brain is doing what it's meant to do. Your mind is doing what it does. And so instead of being angry with it or judging it, again, observe it, gently remind it what it's supposed to be doing and move back into the process Mm -hmm. you know and and I think that again when we recognize symptoms of imposter syndrome or that inner critic we have a tendency to get angry with ourselves over that too and chastise ourselves for allowing this negative voice to be there well we don't have to silence the negative voice as I said let's let's listen to it let's decide if there's merit let's give it its moment but then let's decide if it's being accurate or not you know let's evaluate and self-evaluation is very difficult. I get that. But again, practice makes perfect. So that is something we should be practicing. So.
0: And this is going, thoughts. here's another suggestion. And I feel like this is totally just almost, I shouldn't even say it's a suggestion because I think it's really lame. But journaling can also be very helpful at self-reflection. Oh, sure.
1: Yes, I agree. Uh,
0: I I feel like that's just kind of a counselor line, but for real, I think that um, journaling, getting those th- thoughts out on paper, can also yes. really be beneficial at reviewing, you know, your your internal thought life.
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, I've been journaling for years and years. That's how I actually started writing. I started journaling what I was trying to understand from a religious standpoint, and then I would journal my feelings. I have a journal going right now for um, this period of time i am in, getting ready to compete because there's so many emotions that go along with all of this. And so putting them down on paper allows you, first of all, to get it out. It's cathartic. Mm -hmm. But second of all, it allows you that review process. You can go back and read what you've written later and go, was that accurate? Well, no. Now that I can look at it outside of the moment or outside of the emotion, I can say, hmm, okay, I see what I was feeling here, but that's not actually accurate. And so there's some reflective value to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree 100% journaling is fantastic.
0: The problem with journaling is if I think it can be really helpful, just try, try really hard to let your perfectionistic self go to the <laughs> side. Yes. Because <laughs> I own like... 12 leather bound journals (laughs) that have only been filled out for like the first 10 pages. It's really sad. But if my handwriting would start to get what I felt was unacceptable journal, done trash.
1: Yeah, I I get that.
0: But I spent 50 bucks on it. So I'm not going to throw it away. It's just going (laughs) to sit in a pile. So, embracing that self-reflection while also embracing imperfection yes learning to be okay with where you are
1: yeah which of course is the conundrum here learning to be okay with where you are i mean that's what we all want to do that's what we all think we're doing and yet we still subconsciously allow ourselves to berate our our achievements or whatever and so, yeah, we do have to put aside that sense of perfectionism. We have to put aside that sense of, of I need this to look a certain way. Because I have the same problem. It's amazing that we say the same things. But honestly, I have a lot of journals, too. I've been filling them out for years or writing in them for years. And I freak out about the handwriting in them, too. <laughs> arm will shake sometimes my muscles are tired my arm will shake or something and then i it's not and i've always had really nice handwriting is what i've always been told so if it looks a little shaky at all i'm like no but in the reality of what you're trying to achieve there that really is such a a nothing thing you know Mm -hmm. it's not like somebody else is reading your journals these are for you they're self-reflective so you know as long as you can read what you've written it doesn't matter
0: (laughs) yeah but if it's not written perfectly i don't want to read it and I've always started journals. Like, I wonder what will happen if someone finds this fifty oh, yeah. years from now.
1: <laughs> well, they'll know I'm a complete kook. That's what it'll, happen. it'll be like—the
0: Diary of Anne Frank. It oh will, my goodness! You know, like it will. Things will be found out. Secrets will be un—you know—will be revealed, and the world will be changed. I, you know, the only. Yeah, you have
1: an incredibly amount, a credible amount of journal entries online yes i do yes you do
0: (laughs) in fact that is the only journal that i have finished from start to end so there is what and you brought it up i did go in part of my coming out process i spent some years uh not wanting to come out and, and really kind of hating myself for that and wanting to change so i spent uh three months in an alcohol, drug, and rehab facility that believed if God had the power to heal the alcoholic, he could heal the homosexual. And I journaled every single day that I was there. And yeah. it's the only journal I've ever completed start to finish.
1: I, and I think it's great. I mean, I've read quite a bit of it. And I personally think there's a ton of value there for you. I mean, it's, it's, again, the self-reflective value. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe it didn't have the outcome that you had hoped at the time. But there's still a good number of lessons there for, for you to go back and reflect on or that may be helpful to somebody else. Um, so again, that's one of those achievements, you know, that we tend to say, oh, that's not that big of a deal because we have this whole imposter syndrome thing going on. But there is value there. And again, value is not always in our eye, but it's in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And so we have a tendency to, to I don't know what a good word is. We have a tendency to diminish, I guess our achievements without realizing that they may have positive effect for somebody else, that they're not just about us. And again, so I come back to this and I keep asking myself this question. It, it This feels very narcissistic that, that we tend to have this idea that this whole conversation is just all about us and what, what our value is. And so I, I keep going back and so, back and forth with myself on that. Like I'm struggling with imposter syndrome, but wow, how arrogant is that of you? <laughs> I vacillate constantly on this, so maybe I have another whole syndrome. I don't know. Well, about. but we'll
0: is <laughs> is is not seeking therapy in and of itself a selfish act?
1: Well, yeah, and I again, I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily a selfish act. Air quotes. We do have to take care of ourselves,
0: right. you know.
1: I think I do think we have to take care of ourselves that there's value to that self-care not only for our, for us but for others as well. We can't be effective for somebody else if we are ineffective. Correct. In totality because we can't function.
0: Right. So, we're going to take this thought that think that doing all the self-reflection that really focusing on ourselves within imposter syndrome that that is somehow narcissistic or very <laughs> uh you know, all about you the whole thing about it is we first have to take care of ourselves if we ever want to take care of anyone else yeah and that's why starting with your internal critic is a great place to start
1: yeah well i told you the my inner critic is bitchy so <laughs> she probably threw up narcissistic just mess with me
0: <laughs> mine is just obnoxious and will never shut up ever
1: I'm pretty sure they're all that way. <laughs>
0: okay, fair enough.
1: <laughs> I don't think I don't think you're special.
0: <laughs> uh, probably not. Special well, for that. that you may be special,
1: <laughs> but not for that. Not so. that.
0: <laughs> well, I think that this has been a really good conversation. I think that we really unpacked a lot of tools um, that people can use, and really defining this for what it is.
1: Well, I hope everybody's enjoyed our conversation on The Inner Critic. It's part of our series on imposter syndrome. If you are interested in that, you should go back and listen to the first two episodes of Mental. Um, We do have a Facebook page. Please follow us. Please listen to the podcast. Please leave reviews. That's helpful to us. And let us know what other mental health issues you would like to discuss. Um, We do have another one coming up next month. But, of course, uh, we're going to have multiple series. So i am i've enjoyed the time seth thanks very much
0: i have as well this is the recast parents go and they release the hellions with no manners respect or anything else onto this park. welcome to the recast we're talking about being <laughs> naked thing in the bible who always gets the shaft is right. the person following the leader for all you parents out there, it doesn't matter how you raise your kids, <laughs> they might just end up the opposite of what you taught them. Well, find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and iHeartRadio.